Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am incredibly pleased to welcome back to the show writer-director Jason Cabell. How are you, sir? Dana B., it's good to be back, my man. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 great to talk with you. The last time you were on the show, we were just sort of doing uh, a few follow-ups to your uh, latest project that came out, Running with the Devil, mm-hmm. and I had the opportunity to go out to Los Angeles uh, about six, seven weeks ago, and we got to meet in person for the first time, and that was really <laughs> awesome. That was right, yeah, you know, the, the, the Polo Lounge, and, uh, <laughs> you know, we had some interesting characters at that table, and it's funny to think... That was the first week of March, right? Yeah. So you remember like Keith Jardine had that coffee and stuff and they were at that festival that was going to start down in Anaheim and it got canceled. So we were talking and the other uh, guy at the table, we were talking about, you know, that kind of stuff. And I don't think it really had hit us yet what was to come with this, uh, you know, coronavirus because it was the beginning. And then my friend had the contract at Indian Wells for the tennis tournament and that got shut down like the next day. And uh, it just, I mean, I think within 10 days or less of us having lunch at the polo lounge, it's kind of hard to believe that those are days gone by. And when are, when are we going to do that again? <laughs> you know? What I think is interesting is when we were having, because we were there for a couple hours and we were, yeah. when we were having those conversations, I don't think of the four or five of us that were at that table, I don't think anybody came up with the idea that we were going to go into a lockdown mode. I don't think anybody. No. Like we were talking about convent conventions being canceled mm-hmm. and, and yeah, but, people together. Yeah. yeah. And I had just gone to back to back Clippers games with my son uh, on uh, Friday and, and Sunday afternoon. And then I think we met like the next day or so. But uh, that's another thing. I mean, I think it's <laughs> and then 15 days later, it's like there's nothing. You know, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was kind of a drastic change over the amount of 15 days, you know. Yeah, what was interesting was when I got back. So I was, I was there. I, I flew out of there March 4th. Mm-hmm. And when I went to LAX, which was a Tuesday morning. Mind How you, was that? Well, that's what I'm saying. This was my first time in Los Angeles. So I didn't have sort of a sample size to work with, but. Tell me if this sounds typical when you go to LAX. I was dropped off at Terminal 7 and mm-hmm. I, I went in around the corner. No yeah. line to check no, in no, to check no, to check no. my bag. Just to get dropped off can take 40 minutes to yeah. do the loop. No, <laughs> no line. Went in, yeah. checked my bag, yeah. went to TSA. There was no one in line for TSA at 9:30 <laughs> on a Tuesday morning. I thought yeah. and I thought, "Oh boy, LAX is not as busy as I thought." This again my plane only 50% full. And this was sort of, like I said, sort of the whispers of this beginning to start. But what I thought was really interesting was a few days after I got home, my mom, who's a retired emergency room physician, she calls me and she says, you need to now stay home 14 days. After the trial. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, you were in Los Angeles. You you told me you went to restaurants. You went to nightclubs. You were flying on a plane. You need to stay home for 14 days. Now, yeah, I've been home. I'm on week six of staying home. So I've been following yeah. her advice. But let me ask you this. So that was uh, March 3rd that you and I met that yep. time. Uh, take me through the next two weeks sort of for you, because we, when we oh, were boy. talking, we were talking, <laughs> we were talking about upcoming projects and ideas yep. that you have. And I'm just kind of curious. So take me through those those next couple of weeks. Well, qu- so quite frankly, I went to another event. There was a music event. I mean, I had those Clippers games. And then about the ninth. I, I've got this documented. I got sick oh. and 
so I mean, I all of a sudden I had a fever and I had the I had all the symptoms. And so for, and I didn't take any meds. I didn't take any acetaminophen or anything because I wanted to no cough suppressants. And I documented the fever and everything else. And it lasted for about nine days. And, you know, the fever was for about six days or so. And and I had almost every single symptom. So then I started to try to get tested and it was really, really hard. And I got better and, you know, it got in my lungs and, and I was sleeping at night and I'd roll over and wheezing. And I'm like, man, I don't know. And it's still at that point, you're talking the middle of March. They're just starting to lock down the country. There's no testing. So a friend of mine works for the county of San Diego and they're starting to test county employees and stuff. And there was a project called Project Baseline, but it was in either Santa Clarita, which is up in near Frisco or in Riverside. And I'm already feeling okay. And I sent my application in and the Riverside place said, oh, yeah, we'll take you. And I drove down there 70 miles and I did the test and it came back negative. So I talked to my doctor and he said, look, you're you're better. We need to get you the uh, antibody and the blood test, which I've yet to do. But, you know, I it was a really bad flu or it was you know one of the most the sickest I've been. So but I recovered. And, you know, I think. There's still people are, you know, I've had countless Zoom meetings now with producers and the like and everybody else. And I think everybody's posturing to keep going. Um, and, but right now there's only maybe two productions that I'm aware of. Netflix has one in Korea, South Korea and Iceland, which they've tested. Man, Iceland's less than 400,000 people and they've tested more than 10%. So, um, and they're, the crews are less than 50. You know, which you look at, you know, decent sized projects, a 50 person crew is, is pretty small. I'm glad you're okay. I oh, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, man. It's, I mean, you know, and I have a lot. I actually have another friend that I was in SEAL team with. He's one of the toughest guys I know, and he's hanging tough right now, you know, but I think statistically, you know, we're all going to know somebody or, you know, and, and not just that has it and recovers with as many, but there are people, healthy, normal people as well, getting put on the ventilators and stuff. So, so what is, uh, what's your, for the, so that's, you know, the first two weeks, my God, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad you're okay. Like when you were, no, when no. you and I were talking on the phone, you didn't bring that yeah. part up. I was like, Oh, well, no, I mean, that's <laughs> the thing. You just kind of hunker down and you know, you get better, you know? And, and I was, so I pretty much except for stores and, you know, a little bit of stuff. I've been isolated more or less, you know, since that probably around the 10th of March or so. <laughs> what do you do to occupy your time? Because I know you, like when we talked last evening, you, mm-hmm. you've got not, you don't have one project. You've got yeah. multiple things going on. So what, well, what's, yeah. a day, what's a typical day like for you these days? Well, you know, I get up, I try to get up as early as I can and do a little bit of exercise. I mean, we've had a heat wave here. It was almost a hundred this weekend. So, but you know, get out and do a walk or something, four or five miles. Uh, I've been, I'm reading a ton of stuff. I've been writing a ton of stuff and, you know, I I was going after a couple book rights and stuff and we got one of them and the other one, there's a force majeure clause. So I think we're done with the contract, but enough that clock won't start ticking on that until, you know, everybody agrees this is over and we're somewhat back to normal, you know. Any prediction on when you think that will be as far as? Well, you know, I got, I don't know, Danny, you know, and if you dig into the, to what's going on, I mean, the sheer cost of, of, uh, if we're just talking strictly show business, you know, and I have a lot of friends in the restaurant business too, there's a human factor there that nobody's talking about. You can tomorrow go, 
all right, every bands are lifted. We're going back to, but that doesn't mean people are going to go back to the movie theaters. And that's what, you know, they talk to, uh, AMC, Cinemark, Regal, and they're, they're talking June or July, depending. And they're holding back big movies like Top Gun. I mean, there's content, but they don't know. You can't, you know, what, how people are going to react to this. Are they going to wear masks or, I mean, how are you going to eat your popcorn? <laughs> yeah. But, but the, the human factor, I think, is what we can't predict because they could open everything wide, but also with the damage done, if you know what I mean. It's not like they could say tomorrow and you're going to jump on the subway and go to the Dodgers game or a Cubs game. There is no baseball right now. There is no, you know, we'd be in the finals of the NBA right now. There's none of that. There's no NHL. So from entertainment standpoint, all those big theaters and the cost to put a movie in a theater like that, I mean, you're talking millions of dollars per, you know, 500 theater release is small. You know, that's a tiny release. And with P&A, you know, and the DCPs, that's millions of dollars right there already. So if you're, you know, people talk about if you just put a movie in 500 screens, which, you know, nationwide is a small, small release. If you really know what you're doing and have the connections, that's two million dollars at a minimum. You know, So you figure you get into some of the Top Gun will be out in 5,000 theaters, maybe 15,000 yeah. worldwide. But if you look at the state of China right now, and Wuhan's been open for a while, I read a big article about this guy that owned four restaurants there. He's down to one now. And he's like, I don't people aren't just going great and jumping right back into things, you know? Yeah, I work at a restaurant, and so I've been temporarily unemployed for yeah, this, that's, th- this duration. Are you hanging in there, brother? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm doing the best I can. I'm. I'm thankful that I have this podcast as sort of an outlet because, uh, you know, being here by myself essentially has been. It, I, I just don't know what I would be doing. But a persistent, lingering thought that gives me a little bit of anxiety, of course, is we're just a small, independently owned restaurant. What mm-hmm. happens when, when we get the all clear to open at 50% capacity, six feet, six mm-hmm. feet between tables? I mean, uh, anyone that knows the restaurant business knows that the profit margins are so slim that mm-hmm. you need to be at full capacity for several hours a day just yeah. to break even. So I am kind of at that crossroads where I am looking at the rest of the year going, I'm not sure if this line of work is going to be right for me moving mm-hmm. forward. So I'm, I'm really thankful that I have this podcast and I have the ability to, to reach out to people and talk to them. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I was just watching the governor's press conference here in Florida today. Mm-hmm. He is not given an official go-ahead to open up yet. So we're waiting to see what happens there. So my my next question for you, Jason, is given somebody who ha- – you, you're somebody who understands the, the, the markets as far as the distribution mm-hmm. markets and, and how the VOD platforms work. I want to I want to give you a scenario and I want you okay. to give me your thoughts on uh, – let's say AMC, Regal, the big chains, they decide to open up in – we'll just say July for this mm-hmm. this – discussion. They have to go to a six feet spacing. They have to go to, uh, you know, 50% capacity and nobody goes to the theater. And all of a sudden we realize that nobody wants to go to the movies and can you blame them? Why would Mm -hmm. people want to go? How long can these studios sit on these projects like Top Gun, like the Marvel films? How long can they sit on them if no one's going to the theater before they finally say, all right, we got to go VOD. Uh, it's going to be quick, man. I, I, in my opinion, and 
you know, most big theatrical movies live and die in the first week. You know that. Yeah. I mean, it's the opening weekend and it's the opening week. So after that, I mean, uh, it's it's a very good predictor as to what's going to happen. And they're not going to hang in there and go, well, week two is <laughs> very, very rarely better than week one. Right. So I think you've got about, a, you know, it's but you get into the hype and what that costs. Let's talk Top Gun. I mean, let's say it's 5000 theaters. I mean, you just do the math on what the print and ad, the marketing, the front, you know, trailers, you're probably talking $40 million, you know, so that has to be recouped. And we don't know if people are going to go back. And I don't know. I mean, I think people are getting comfortable that, you know, I, I was reading an article about how much Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney and all the streaming services are booming. I mean, booming right now. And, um, you know, people have talked about that being the way of the future. But I think that also those giant budget movies, and I know a couple and I'm not going to name them, but because I knew some talent attached that have been canceled because they're not going to risk paying that those super high salaries because they don't know what's going to happen. So a lot of future productions or productions that were going to be going on of hundred plus million dollar movies or even 50 million, they're, they're just furloughing them for right now. So. Yeah, I mean, I can, I was kind of pondering the question before we started recording today. And I was thinking that if you're, if I will just use Top Gun as an example, if that's your, your big movie that they've got that Paramount has, they're going to have to, you know how like a Star Wars will open up on six screens in a multiplex? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're going to have to open up on 12 screens in a multiplex just to capture the same amount of people well. that were in six screens. Yeah, and I, I don't know that there's – I mean, that's the sad thing about because a lot of them don't know. And, you know, if we get back to the restaurant business, and I mean, you're not repurposing a movie theater. It's a movie theater, you know, that real estate. And one of the things I thought about, though, is the drive-in business. But there's only 300 or so left in the United States. I know there's some in Cali, but those are warm-weather places. I mean, you're not going to the drive through in January yeah. in New York or somewhere. So – I think Florida has a bunch. We have a bunch here in Cali. New York has, but those are seasonal, but there's not enough to make a difference. But I thought that's a perfect solution. You're in your car. You're, you know, we just go, go back to what is old is new, but I don't think that, I mean, then the, the real estate to open drive-ins or is so, um, drive-ins is so expensive. So, you know, I don't think that. We have the only movie theater in America, the only drive-in movie theater in America that's showing first-run films here in Ocala, where I live. Wow, it was, I love it was, that. It was in a number of different articles. So, what do you think? Do you think movie theaters are going to survive this? I know it's a, it's quite the it's quite the th the thought. You know, it's it, you know, it's really it's really tough, man. And, and I'm not sure. I mean, I uh, there's some new norms that are going to come out of this, and. I don't know if people are so scared or they appear to be right now. And I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but we are where we are. I mean, the economy is where it is. You can't just go, whoops, you know, or whatever, and, and think that we're back to normal tomorrow. It could take years and years, you know, sadly. But I think hopefully people will get comfortable being around each other again. I mean, we made it this far. You know, we've made it through brutal flu seasons and, and other things. I mean, there has been other pandemics in the past, none that have spread like this, but 
I think vaccines are coming and therapeutics are coming. And, and I think as these things mutate, they most of the time get less and less powerful. You know, I mean, there are other coronaviruses that we catch yearly as a common cold. So I think that it's going to take some time, you know, um, but I don't think, I mean, they could lift it tomorrow. I mean, I saw people bowling in Georgia and stuff, but I don't think you're packing in theaters for Top Gun. People are just still too spooked. And with the numbers accurate or not, you know, I mean, I don't want to go to the movie theaters and die three weeks later or a month later, you know. Yeah. And you, you said something interesting, you know, about repurposing movie theaters, because uh, I was reading the article about a particular shopping mall here in Florida that is suing an AMC theater for $7.2 million because wow. there's legal doctrine that says that, you know, if you default on a lease, which by the way, their lease was 52000 a month, but I guess they had like a four or five year lease with them. But if you default on one payment, you've shown just cause that you will default on the entire loan. And so they're now suing for $7.2 million, which uh, you brought up a good point about you can't repurpose movie theaters. Yeah, the movie theaters. I mean, what are you going to do? Turn it into some really wicked creative bar? or something but it's so much space and so much you know that and they're built out for that wow so there's a lawsuit even in this climate right now yeah. for that and what wow. they're saying what they're saying is that right now amc kind of has a leg to stand on because here in the state of florida mm -hmm. movie theaters are closed because yeah. they have to be but the second that that order gets lifted and that's when they say now the landlords are going to have the, they're going to be on on footing but it's not happening across the country but it's it's really kind of a Kind of a dirtbag move, I think, on the mall's part to do that. Oh, sure. Well, listen, I mean, and you you know the, the price per square foot of real estate. If their monthly nut is fifty two grand in Florida, I mean, imagine what it is here or yeah. any other throughout America, New York City and you know, that AMC and in Manhattan and there's one here in Burbank. Those are the two busiest. I can, that AMC in Burbank is so big. I can't even imagine what their monthly expenses are there. But what do you do with that space if they go, wait, we're done, we're pulling out. You're going to have to find another movie theater company to come in there. I mean, the rebuild or whatever you would do, what do you do with that space? I mean, it's set up to be a movie theater and it's always going to be a movie theater. You're right, because I would think, I mean, in the era where brick and mortar retail stores are, are closing yeah. prior to the global pandemic, you know, like, yeah. like that's like you're going to be sitting on property that has no other purpose but yeah, to be a what's movie a theater. Macy's, what's a, you know, you get into those big giant department stores. I mean, beyond your targets and Walmarts, I don't know. In the online business, like, Again, I, the last few holiday seasons, I did all my shopping online. I think most people do yeah. nowadays. So those may be a, day, a thing of the past. And now that this incident has happened, I mean, who would have thought? Would you have thought when we were sitting at the polo lounge that this was possible? No. I didn't. And even talking about that, that you know, gathering that was canceled, you know, you look at my friends were killing it. They have – one of their restaurants is at the airport. The other is, you know, in K-Town, attached to a hotel. The other is downtown. And they had the contracts for food at Coachella and Indian Wells. You're killing it, man. I mean, you're on top of the world, right? And then all of a sudden, they're like, nope, that's canceled. That's canceled. And the restaurants are closed. And you're like, who could have thought that would be even possible in the modern world? So there's all those businesses and movie theaters where you, your business is people getting together and, 
and sitting in the dark watching, you know, something to escape reality. Yeah. And I think we need that more than ever right now. But, you, you know, most people are doing it from the safety of their homes. And I personally, I mean, I would like to hope it comes back. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to take a, a, quite a while. When we were sitting there having that conversation, my mind was thinking, well, I guess they're shutting these big events down because of the amount of international travel. Like I never, <clears throat> never in a million years. And, and we were just 10 days away from it happening. <clears throat> never thought that yeah. this would this would be the reality. Like, Jason, I am sitting outside having coffee this morning, and it's a beautiful day out here in Florida. It's 85 degrees. There's mm-hmm. not a cloud in the sky, and there's nothing to do <laughs> besides besides go <laughs> for a walk, it. you know? Yeah. Um, but I never really thought that this was going to be the case, and I, I just keep going back to that conversation we had that night, and it's very, it's very surreal, and yeah. I don't know if we go back to any type of new normal. I mean, any type of previous life that we've all lived for it's, it's well, crazy. It's a, yeah, it's the human factor and like I said and, and you know, LA's a ghost town, man. I got to tell you how quickly you can get around town here right now. It's actually kind of nice and the air quality is I've seen the city from outlying areas. I drove down to San Diego uh, and I got back up from way down near the border at the Olympic Training Center in San Diego back to my place in Los Feliz in an hour and 39 minutes, which I mean, normally it takes three ish hours and then in traffic four or more. But when I went walking the other day, too, like this would be the end of pilot season and you can't find a place to rent or buy or anything in L.A. from like February through May. It's crazy because everybody's here for pilot season. And when I walked around the four rent, four lease, four sale signs, and I was up walking up and down the hills, you know, in Silver Lake and Los Fields, people are packing U-Hauls up and moving and for sale signs are everywhere. They're bailing. And it's been a month. I mean, April 19th, it was one month here in LA. And after just one month, I, I've never seen this much vacancy here and they're still trying to, you know, they're going to have to do something. And I know people are talking about how cheap gas is. Gas is still two fifty, sixty a gallon here. So we're not still not quite feeling the effects and the people are jumping ship here in droves, man. Another question I have for you is even though Hollywood productions and film productions have have grinded to a halt. There's still distribution deals that have to be made. There's still films that need to be purchased in territories around the world. That can't stop, right? I mean, there's got to be uh, you know, 100, right. 100 projects that are that are completed and finished or or <laughs> there's or, probably yeah. 100,000. <laughs> yeah, 100,000. Or there's, yeah. you know, you 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 go to these festivals around the right. world and, mm-hmm. you know, you sell your project, you sell the mm-hmm. distribution rights. How on earth is that happening right now? Well, you know, there's there's a lot of big festivals, but they're also markets. Like if you look yeah. at Cannes and people see the glitz and glamour of Cannes, I actually have a project that is in the beginning stages, but we've attached some talent to it and, the, you know, everything's done and we've gotten good, good uh, feedback. And 
we have a foreign sales company that's one of a dozen or so that is going to virtual can. So, you know, most people think of a lot of these festivals as the glitz and glamour, but they're selling thousands and thousands of movies, uh, you know, offline. If you see the American film market, the, you know, they, they have the, the contest and stuff up front, but the, the overarching idea of that is to buy Toronto, to buy and sell movies. So I have a project going to virtual can and I, to be honest with you, I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, we'll see by the middle of June, I believe, you know, if the movie sells or not or what the markets are doing compared to what they have been. I mean, I'm optimistic, but you know what i don't know what the foreign territories are going to buy considering is there a foreign market are theaters reopening and if so at what capacity you know we've talked about that but what i've seen a lot of stuff is restaurants and everything they're saying 25 percent capacity so what does that do to your you know your numbers can you break down what what virtual can means like this okay yeah sure for sure well so from what i understand and i talked to the foreign sales reps they're going to have like several hours, you know, all the buyers are going to get on a big Zoom call like we've all done Zoom and, and all that Skype and stuff. But and then they're going to have the, they're going to say this movie, they're, the, they're going to send out, you know, like electronic information, which they do anyway, the script, uh, a lookbook, potentially a, a one minute or 30 second sizzle or something on it. Who's the, the cast is that's attached, who, you know, they're considering the budget, blah, 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 blah. And then they're going to pitch each movie for two to three minutes. And then they'll have offline discussions with the buyers and then see what buys and sells. So it's basically what they do in the booths. Like if you look at the American film market, over at the, I think it's the Lowe's Hotel in Santa Monica and a couple of the others. And that all the sales company get rooms and they set the hotel rooms up as their sale booths. And you walk around the hallways looking for the genre movie that you'd like to buy or sell. And you they have like trailers running if the movie's completed or like I said, the lookbooks and who's attached, the budgets and all that of movies that are raising money to be made. And that's the phase that we're in, right? Do you see, I mean, the market for VOD, straight to VODs, that has to be going up at this point. Like, Well, it, and it always has been. See, a lot of people wonder, we talked, you know, the, the theatrical release is so expensive that I think it's in the mid to high 90% of all movies getting made are straight to VOD now because the risk for even a 500 theater release is in the millions, you know, and you're tacking that onto the overall budget. So when you get into, I, I think, I mean, gosh, some of the big Marvel movies and the tentpole movies, the Spider-Man movie, I think, spent 200 million plus on just P&A. That's not the, what it cost to make the movie. That was the advertising and, and all that type of stuff. So I think the meat of the market is has been vod for years and you know there's still those dozens of tentpole movies and certain indies like uh, uncut gems and a handful of others and but you know that wasn't a wide release that was only a few hundred theaters as well so if you were lucky enough i got to see that in theaters um you know because the the more art art housey theaters 
will carry those, you know, independent movies as well. Just speaking of uncut gems for a moment, did, yeah. that, did that movie give you anxiety watching it? Cause <laughs> oh it sure- my God, everybody. <laughs> no, I went with my friend uh, that, that I see movies with it at the time. She was, you know, seven and a half months pregnant. She's like, why did you take, you know, the anxiety? Yeah. Why did you take me to this movie? And, you know, we had a good laugh about that, but oh yeah, but it worked, man. Yeah. I mean, that was the purpose. And I mean, that's genius filmmaking. If you think about it, the, you know, to, to drive you like that and make you feel a certain way. But I think that's one of the biggest successes of the year that movie was because, I mean, it made over 45 million in less than 500 theaters, which, and if you look at the production costs and everything else, that's a grand slam home run. So, yeah. uh, and I think it's A24's biggest success today. And I'm a huge fan of A24. I mean, they're, they're doing some great, work right now so awesome yeah and i'll, I'll keep, of course keep it spoiler free but the ending uh, <laughs> yeah, i audi- was good i yeah. audibly gasped when that when Me that too. when that with the ending <laughs> i was like what <laughs> so but what a great story though yeah. and great i mean that anxiety that's what everybody says oh my god i was stressed out when i left like yeah. it worked you know yeah. that's no, they they did. They definitely worked out. Yeah, and another thing, I think South by Southwest also has all the movies. They, you know, they be, became a virtual festival. And if you have Amazon Prime, I think even right now you can see and vote on those movies. So I'm not quite sure how they're doing it, but you know, the virtual stuff is really hitting big right now yeah no i was uh i was actually perusing amazon prime this morning just kind of taking a look and they've got a whole tab just like you said and there's there's several feature lengths there's a few shorts i mean they've, they've put everything up there and that's yeah. that's a really interesting decision that they've made and like i said it's free for us to watch if you've got amazon prime so uh, right. i'm probably going to dive into that uh disney announced that they're going to release the rise of skywalker on may 4th two months earlier than planned on the disney mm-hmm. plus streaming what do you think about that decision just to back it up two months because they're i'm just curious about that well i mean i think they're gonna find out real quick if it works financially it's a, a heck of a gamble but you know i think people are i don't know if you've looked at the mandalorian and <laughs> disney plus has some pretty good content man and i've watched several different shows and things on there so i mean it's the same model as netflix you know and i think that's a big tent pole project um, and if it gets you those subscribers, it's going to work. I mean, I already have a subscription, but I think I would got, have gotten one, you know, to watch that. So I think that what's your other option right now? And again, the cost of, of releasing it otherwise you know, that's, I think it's a wise move, but I guess we'll see, you know? Yeah. No, I think this is a, this, this is a clearly an indication of them not sure, or they've got some uncertainty about the next few months. So it's like, mm-hmm. we better try a few things and just see, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, what sticks. Oh, that's right. Well, like I said, I mean, the 25% capacity, that's what the overarching theme is, you know, you can lift every band tomorrow, but doesn't mean that <laughs> it's going to just go back to normal. So that's the uncertain, I mean, around the world. And I think the last place, sadly, people are going to go pack into a theater in the dark and yeah. sitting that close to each other. And I, you know, I hope they would and wish they would, but until we, you know, feel comfortable again with some type of vaccine or therapeutics, I don't know that's going to happen. I wonder if you could... Because this is this, I feel really bad for everyone involved in this situation here. You could talk Me just too. a little bit about 
pilot season. And then mm-hmm. I, I, I want to sort of talk about how many people are in Los Angeles chasing their, their dreams of working in That's the entertainment it. industry. Yeah. Uh, those people. Then you've got every single person that works on a production. We're talking about, I mean, hundreds of thousands, a yeah, million easily. people. Yeah. I mean, just talk yeah. a little bit about pilot season, if you could. Well, yeah, I mean, their numbers are, they're predicting, I mean, it's 4.5 million people. They're saying 2 million plus are unemployed right now. So that's 50%. But so the pilot season, you get into, you know, with television. Now, you're talking strictly ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, and maybe a couple others. But, you know, um, they they order a bunch of pilots. They order some shows straight to series, and they start having massive auditions, and they start crewing up, and then they shoot the pilots, and they usually end up picking up a couple of those shows as new shows. And I think that I don't quote me on these numbers, but it, all of that was canceled. And there was a few shows, like a handful that when they were pitched, got ordered straight to series off of the pitch. So they didn't have to go through the pilot process. And there there might only be a few new shows on this year. And then, you know, when you get into the Netflix of it all, and that, there really is no season in that. But with production shut down, that's the most difficult thing. I mean, there's only two productions, maybe three that I know of in the world right now, oh. you know, because you, you know, you're talking about putting a crew, 50 people's nothing. And that's all they're allowing right now. But like, I think on running with the devil, we had a 240, 50 person crew and 60 plus actors. So that's 300 people living in tight quarters and you're staying at hotels and you're traveling. And so that kind of stuff, if they're saying, well, you can have a 50 person crew and you're going, well, that you can get production done like that for sure. But you know, these bigger shows are bigger. Uh, movies. I mean, I think Mission Impossible. Some of those movies have over a thousand people on those crews. Yeah, you know, I'm just looking so. at Running with the Devil and saying, you know, I'm looking at some of the some of the big set pieces you've got in that film, and how do you pull yeah. that off with a 50 person crew? You can't. No, and 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 then you know what they're doing in the testing, and you know how they're masking up and stuff. And they said production is slowed by 15. percent So if you're struggling to make the day everything's going to become more expensive now because by that nature, the number, if I had 50 people, you know, 38, 40 shooting days turns into 60. And then economically that gets crazy. So, you know, um, they're not, you know, I think there, there'll be a way ahead once there's a vaccine. But, you know, I, I listened to this interview they did from ABC up in Sacramento, these two doctors and they're like, yeah, everything's coming. But they said, how many people do you think we can get in to get the flu vaccine? He's like, nobody gets that. So we get this vaccine. How many people are going to get it, you know, yeah. as well? So and there's a lot of conspiracies about that. And, you know, people don't get the, you know, well, yeah. I, I hope people get it if when it comes. You know? So I don't know how the the entertainment unions, the WGA, DGA, SAG, I don't know what kind of programs they have in place as far as people being able to file for unemployment. But mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm thinking about the, the non-union crews right now, the, oh, yeah. the non-union actors that maybe are living in L.A. that maybe haven't even gotten a job yet. I mean, how are they even a- applying for unemployment? if they? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, and that's the tough part as a contractor because also – what supports that? I mean, if you're here as a writer, director, actor, and you're not making money in show business, I mean, knock on wood, I've been lucky enough to do okay and to survive. But 
those people are driving Ubers. They're working in the service industries that are all closed right now. You know, so that's their, their secondary, their support source of income, why they're doing auditions, why, but there are no auditions. There, there's been a few, I've heard of people self taping and stuff, but that's at the very top of the market too. There's not, I mean, you get into the non union of it all. There's no commercial shoots. There's no, you know, those, the day player roles and the other that you can make a good living doing that. But, yeah, I think that's the other thing is, is how long do you hang in there? Or is it just, I mean, they say 10,000 people get off the bus every day and 10,000 get back on. Yeah. But, you know, I wonder what those numbers are going to be when this starts. Is in, are people going to hopefully continue to pursue those dreams? Because, you know, and you got to look at some of these kids coming out of film school. They just spent a lot of money to get, and there's, what's where what are you doing i mean there's nothing going right now you know like i said unless you were lucky enough but they're using a mostly icelandic crew and mostly korean crew from what i saw in those two productions those netflix productions so i'm sure they have a handful of keys from the u.s but it's probably you know a dozen or a couple dozen people yeah and then putting in the travel restrictions to and from these places that's yeah it's got to be a real challenge you know you mentioned the um the, how easy it is to get around LA and you're, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. reminding me of when, when I flew into LA with Rich and we got into his car and the airport was. Well, Rich is on and on. I mean, you're talking. Yeah. But, but Rich's no, but, jet and Rich's yeah, rolls and Rich, sort of. <laughs> which is out but, in the fun way. And I've done that easy. Yeah. That's But, but I'll, I'll tell you this. In this particular case, we got onto the 405. Yeah. And it was going about 20 miles an hour. Yeah. And yeah I, which is still pretty fast. <laughs> and exactly. Exactly. I said, because <laughs> it was, it was a Saturday. It was three o'clock in the afternoon and I'm riding in the back of the Rolls Royce just going, uh, boy, traffic is really something. And he just turns around and looks and he goes, no, this is really good right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and it, and then when I took an Uber from, from his place to the airport, yeah. Like, thankfully, this guy could use the carpooling lane because the yeah. traffic was just at a standstill. And now, yeah. like you've described, and I see drone footage of the 405. I, has, has there been a traffic jam on the 405 in the past five weeks? Not that I'm – I mean, listen, I had to go from, you know, Los, Los Feliz, Silver Lake area over to Culver City, then to Santa Monica, and then back over to Burbank – uh, a couple weeks ago and I did it in record time. I, mean, I got from Culver city to Burbank in like 17 minutes, which, and that's straight up the four Oh five over the hill to the one on one. And I was like, unbelievable, man. I mean, and there are choke points where, you know, and normally when you're doing meetings or you have to go to studios or different places, you plan your day around it. You know, well, if I'm over here, at HBO over here, there's no way I can get over here, even in like 90 minutes. And you don't want to start running late to these events and stuff. So you start planning. And when you're talking to your agent or manager going, you want me to go from here to here? And this, you know, so you, you try to stagger the meetings enough to where, you know, you can make it. But now, I mean, I've been whizzing around town. Like I have to go to Santa Monica. I'm either going to go today or tomorrow, but I could probably go. Normally, if I go out there, it's 40 minutes one way, you know, and that's to go 14 miles. Let me put yeah. that. It's not like it's far. It's just LA. And when you tell people that and go, how far in 14 miles, how 40, 50 minutes over an hour in traffic, 
it, people don't believe that, but until you get here and there's no side streets or back alleyways, it's everywhere. So, you know, it, it's just how it is, but you know, it's been, I'm, I wonder with all these, you know, non-essential or work at home, if people have settled in and they haven't been laid off and they're working at home, just continue to work at home. If it's efficient, maybe it will ease some of the traffic here. But, you know, every business, I, I most of the big agencies here have laid off half of their staff, you know, um, all of them, have, you know, hundreds of people. So that shows you what state as well that that everything's in if most of the agents and managers and every they're shutting down so it's pretty amazing that my i mean my trip to los angeles which was this dream come true my entire life <laughs> i've wanted to go to la if i had waited one more week you wouldn't have gone i yeah. wouldn't have gone and yeah. i wonder about all the places that that rich took me to you know i wonder about the restaurant Craig's, which was the first, yeah. first no, place we went. Th th that is the most famous icon. I mean, that you go there. I can't tell you the people I've dined with. It. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a celebrity, but it's one of the, the big places. And they're still doing takeaway there. And I think they're doing orders. So, I mean, Craig's is going to be okay as far as, I mean, I don't know about the staff. And I mean, I know the maitre d' there really well. And some of the waiters and waitresses very well. And I hope they're doing great or figuring it out because besides the chefs and the delivery, you know, maybe they're doing deliveries or something, but they're getting creative. But I know Craig's is because they've got a huge clientele base and I know people are getting stuff delivered. And I've been trying to, you know, my son came up with me uh, about a month ago now and he's been up here with me and we've been trying to order from businesses at least once a week to, yeah. to support them. Even if they're gouging a little, I'm like, I don't care. Let's get hamburgers from here to keep the economy going. You know, and yeah. there's a couple of our favorite places that are still open. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm like, I have enough food in the house and I've been fortunate and I'm lucky, but I purposely do. And I'm leaving them huge tips and yeah. stuff because I want to, you know, to, to help where you can, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, because there's a lot of other issues that people aren't talking about, too. You talked about getting unemployment, but, you know, people don't want to talk about this, but there's a lot of restaurant workers and others here that may not be legal yeah. immigration status why yeah. they're not collecting unemployment there's hundred you know so yeah. you got to help them as well you know i hope they're eating and you know i know some people that are trying to take care of them but you you got to be real careful you don't want sadly the government to rib it you know rage you but that's the reality you can't just say well that's not right but 30 percent of this is this and you know you got to help them still you have to help them and take care of them they're here in america and you can't just go yeah. well starve to death you, know? I mean, yeah. what do you, do? you can't as, do that as somebody that works uh 26 years in the restaurant business so you know yeah i know exactly what you're talking that. about and it's it's, yeah. it's the same thing here in florida and you know that's the reality right dana I yeah, mean, yeah, that yeah you listen can't, i can't i can't yeah. go on record and say yeah, you know what yeah. restaurants i'm talking about but i know to this day many people that are from other parts of the world that are working in restaurants even in the town that i live in and they're yeah. wonderful amazing people and i think about them all the time and i try Me to too. help out yeah. as much as i can yeah and i think there are some underground organizations i wish i could talk you know yeah. that are doing that and i know guys and i that are putting together food packages and feeding people and that's the biggest thing forget the borders forget the bullshit you know we're all human beings and yeah. you know i don't care about you know and i think hopefully some good like that comes out of it as well where 
you know, people are people, man. And, yeah. you know, we have to all take care of each other. But I think in some ways we're becoming more polarized politically and everything else, which is terribly sad to me. But I think, honestly, in times of crisis like this, no matter what, you need strong leadership at the local, state, and federal level. And in my opinion, we've had a massive failure on all levels. All yeah. So, yeah. and sadly, and, and, um, you know, it's easy to collect those paychecks and, but this is what you get paid for. And if you're running the government, you need to, that's why it's for the people, you know, and, uh, I think there's a lot of people suffering and then people are talking about, Oh, the stimulus checks. Guess what? It's your money. You pay taxes. They're giving you back your money. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was like. Well, what? you know, you're acting like it's a gift from the government. No, it's they're just giving you back your money. <laughs> yeah. Here in Florida, we had uh, and I don't I don't mind if I name drop this one because it was 12 years ago. But uh, the then governor, Rick Scott, mm -hmm. uh, completely overhauled the unemployment system here. And by all accounts, and this is a personal opinion, but I've read some stuff to back this up. But by all accounts. This online website, this online portal that they created was deliberately set up to make it almost impossible to collect unemployment. Yeah. And that's why Florida, prior to the pandemic, had one of the lowest, quote, unemployment rates in the state because <laughs> yeah, people filed for unemployment because you couldn't. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was darn near impossible. Now, I, I saw the writing on the wall. March 17th, which was a Tuesday, the, the governor closed all bars. St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's yeah. Day. Closed yeah. all. The early morning made the announcement that effective at 5 p.m. that day, all bars and nightclubs had to be closed. Mm. Uh, understand why he did that. St. Patrick's yeah. Day is a big day. I saw the writing on the wall right then and there. I said, okay, this is, it's only a matter of not weeks, days before they, they start closing the restaurants here. So I jumped on the unemployment website as soon as I could. And uh, I'm lucky that I guess I got a head start. Good. It took five weeks for me to get my first Oof. unemployment payment. Mm. Um, so that's like right about now. Yeah, it was about a week ago. Yeah, yeah. it was about a week ago. Mm. We went from having about 60,000 people in the state of Florida that were filing for unemployment to over a million. Mm -hmm. And that system, as you can imagine, just completely crashed. Yeah, well, it's like yeah. I said, there's yeah. 4.5 here in LA. There's yeah. over 2 million, they're saying. And I bet you it's more than that because, again, there's those numbers we can't count. Exactly. And, and, uh, yeah, people are suffering, man. And, and I just, oof, I don't know. You know, I, I feel lucky every day I wake up and, you know, and I actually, a couple really good friends of mine that are doing well. They um they called me and said, hey, we don't need our stimulus checks. Give us some good charities. To... So I gave them a couple, you know, the military charities and stuff yeah, that are doing some really awesome. good stuff. You know, so that's awesome. Now, what is the latest for you as far as has the lockdown been extended? Any period? <laughs> well, I know that today, yeah, they opened beaches today, and I haven't seen. I got to look at the. I mean, I'm not going to drive out there and see what's going on. <laughs> uh, so the beaches are open, and some others. And from what I'm hearing, it's going to be around the middle of May. But like we said before, it's not like the bans are lifted all restaurants are open and people are just going to flock to them again or, you know, get back to the NBA finals or which there won't be or going to the Dodgers games or any, you know, so uh, that's the kind of stuff that, because you look at, just look at Dodger stadium, how many people are employed there from the groundskeepers to the coaches and players, to all the people running the concessions to the parking and all that they're, they're not working right now. And that's a pretty long job. If you're planning your life on working there from early April through hopefully October, if there's playoffs, 
that's a six, seven month gig, you know, and it was the same, all the people at the staple. So you get into just who's not working right now and why that's, there's not a lot of people, man. Yeah. You know, I don't think the numbers, like you said, I don't think they even come close to reflecting how many people Mm -hmm. in this country are out of work. They're saying 26 Mm -hmm. million have filed for unemployment nationwide. I think the number is probably close to 40 million. Yeah. So that puts us over 10%, you know, 10, 12% of the, you know, and I don't think we've ever been there. And that's the problem is anybody can speculate what's going to happen. But we don't know. It's like predicting who's going to win the Super Bowl. No one's going to be held. It's just like early on when they were saying it's going to be millions of people dying. And thank God it wasn't. But you got to hold people accountable for those opinions and why we shut down. Uh, there's, you know, there's some smart stuff out there if you find it that doctors are talking about and, you know, they're, they're getting into the reality. And now that the testing has come back, And most of them are saying, hey, with these numbers and the testing, it's time to get open again. But, you know, how do we do that? And what is it going to look like? Like we've been talking about this whole, you know, the restaurant business, movie, anything. I mean, it puts it in perspective because I really started thinking how much we're dependent on each other and all those things kind of feed on each other. You know, just going to the store, eating every day, you know, entertainment, all that kind of stuff. It's What's it going to look like? What's the new? And are people just going to turn into hermits and Howard Hughes Juniors, you know, <laughs> with their with their massive sanitizer? And, you know, hopefully not. You know, you know, I at at its fundamental core, I am very thankful that my friends and family are okay. Sure, I'm, me too. I'm thankful that I have electricity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, internet. Thank God I've got internet. That's just going to say, thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got food. I've got access to food. Like th- this, when this is all over with, you know, I'm going to look back and say, all right, well, by the way, I'm hoping this is over sooner than later, but yeah, me too. I, I want it to be safe. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the key. But when it's all over with, I'm going to say, you know, it, it, this was one of the most interesting, if not one of the most impactful experiences of my life and probably everybody's life because we've never been through this. It's been 1918 since there was something on this level. So, uh, and like I said, I'm just, I'm thankful that everybody I know is okay. That's, that's yep. the most important thing right now. And then, you know, I feel like we're resilient, right? Mm-hmm. Americans are resilient. We're going to figure out a way to, to bring it all back some t- sure. someday, right? I mean, you- I agree. No, I, I agree. And positively, I mean, look, it will. They, they will have the vaccine. They will have therapeutics. People will. And one of the more interesting things I, that these two doctors were talking about that I was listening to is that, like, they said, look, we have strep and uh, staph and all these bacteria on our skin right now. You do. I do. And what they're worried about as well is they said we very rarely, if ever, we haven't isolated the healthy. You isolate the sick. And our immune systems are down right now and wearing a mask. And so that's just, you can say it's not the bill you support the herd immunity. That's not it at all. We as human beings have to be around each other and have to do that. And that's what like they see, they talk about when you're a baby, you crawl and you put stuff in your mouth that creates your immune system, you know, and, and you, you have to. So they're worried that other diseases and other things are going to come back too because our immune systems are, or lower because we're not interacting with each other, which is a valid point. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we need to get back to that because that also helps 
during these situations. So it's not just the herd immunity theory, but you know, we, we have to, we've made it this far. And I think it's what's, what's interesting to me is how quickly people have forgotten again, March, whatever it was, fourth or fifth, we were sitting in a crowded restaurant in Beverly Hills. And I look at the music event I went to and all the things that I had done the week prior without a thought. You know, I took my son to the train station. We, he got on the train. We went to Clippers games. We went to, you know, I went to all, I had a very busy two weeks out in public. And now that seems like a distant memory. And I hope we can, but we don't want to forget this. And I hope we learn from these lessons so that if this starts coming again, or if there is another pandemic, we properly prepare and and get control of it so we don't have to shut down the economy but i I, it's it's strange to me how quickly people have withdrawn and gone into their little you know like i was hiking the other day and you know we keep six feet apart and i was we were all wearing masks and someone was approaching me and there was you know it was a narrow sidewalk with bushes and you couldn't quite get and then she repelled like oh, she was man. catching leper, you know, like, oh, and I'm going, whoa, that's not really. I mean, but that's how quickly people now are, are afraid, yeah. you know, and I'm like, we're both wearing masks. We're out, you know, I'm like, that's, you know, and, and there I think there needs to be a little more rhyme or reason, because why can you go to Costco or, you know, the Publix or the grocery store or whatever and be OK but you can't go here and you can't go sit in a restaurant and we're, we're crossing those boundaries. And I, I mean, going to Walmart and all those other places. So it's okay to go here, but not here. And, you know, it, it, there's some head scratchers going on there as well. I went to a Walmart two days ago. It was the first time I usually just go to the grocery store, but I needed to get something that they didn't have at the grocery store. So I went to Walmart and they had people lined up to go inside They had six feet lines. I mean, six feet, you know, space. And there was a lady who had an iPad and she was checking off the amount of people that were going into the store. And as soon as you got into the store, it was a complete free for all. It was all for nothing. They, you know, they're, they're, (laughs) they're trying to, you know, put the aisles one way and all that stuff. Nobody's paying attention to that. And I said to myself, I think I'd feel more comfortable in a restaurant that was keeping mm-hmm. us six feet apart and all this yeah. stuff. Because I, I was, I was more apprehensive in Walmart than I was the idea, than the idea of like going to a restaurant. Well, that's my point. It's yeah. like there's no rhyme. No one said, well, wait a second. There's no rhyme or reason. You're exactly right. If you have clean and disinfectant in menus or they're talking about disposable menus or whatever, I mean, but do we even need to go that far? We ate with, I mean, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. You <laughs> know, we ate with, with menus uh, our entire lives. So why now all of a sudden do we need to stop that? And that's what I'm saying. Everyone's freaked out and gone over the top a little bit on this, which is okay, but we've been fine, you know, and we are strong and resilient people and that, and touching a menu is not going to kill you, you know, and I think, but we've, that's the other thing about social media and the new, way we communicate with each other. I think what I call moms, people are becoming masters of misinformation. <laughs> it just keeps getting, yeah. you know, and, and and it's really hard to find reliable sources. And then you get conspiracy theorists and people just feed into that. And, you know, I heard this and, and I can tell you, you know, from being in the military, when you don't technically know what's going on the rumor mills fly like i think we're going here i think we're doing and most of the time it's all bs and you figure it out later but that's human nature you know and it's like playing the telephone game when you're in second grade and you whisper and what comes out the other end is 
well, that's the same thing. We, we, you prove that at a young age. So finding reliable sources and, and getting the truth and getting real numbers and it's, it's just a thing gone by and everyone just becomes a master of misinformation or a, yeah. a pseudo subject matter expert. And I'm, I mean, I'm trying to only listen to doctors who are experts in infectious diseases and viruses. That's it. I don't care what these reporters say on TV. They're not experts in anything. They're they're regurgitating what they keep hearing. So, you know, there are some good sources. And I do have some friends that are doctors. And their take on this is a little bit different than what you're seeing on CNN, MSNBC, Fox. You pick the outlet, you know, yeah. and, and that's the tough part. So. Yeah, I, I make it a point not to – the only news I've really – the only news that I am now really – focusing on is at the very local level of where mm -hmm. I live, because that's what's yeah. going to impact me the most. That's smart. Yeah. That's that's mm -hmm. it. And and once it says opinion or op-ed, I'm not in. I don't want to I don't <laughs> want anything to do with it. I, I, I'm lucky to have two doctors in the family. Uh, that's, yeah, my, bro luck. my yeah. brother is working down in, in what's so Miami. what's their take on it, Dana? What are they saying? Uh, my mom is she's very much. And I don't want anyone to construe this as medical advice. So please just as just this is just thoughts that she's given me. So don't take this. Uh, she takes it very, very serious. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is she's now retired. She's uh, in her early 70s. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she was the first person to call me and say, you need to quarantine yourself. For 14 yeah, from, days. Yeah, yeah, from the flight. Yeah. Her biggest concern is asymptomatic spread. That's her biggest yeah. concern. And, that is it. And she said sure. she, she thinks the numbers of asymptomatic infected people in this country are uh, 10 times what they think it is. Like she thinks that the numbers are, are much higher because, you know, for a while there, they weren't testing asymptomatic mm. people. They were only, no. only if you had symptoms, you needed to get tested. And the guidelines has changed. So, you know, she is not optimistic about this going away anytime soon until, mm. like you said, until there's a vaccine. And then she said that, you know, the fastest they've ever had a, a proper vaccine has been, what, four years? That means yeah. she, she said, listen, this is – and she also said that coronaviruses, because this is not the first coronavirus, yeah. uh, coronaviruses, those are very difficult to develop vaccines for. So, that's just mm -hmm. her honest take on it. My brother, he is a radiologist, but he is working at a hospital in Miami. Mm -hmm. And he is – he kind of echoes the same thing she said. Uh, he's a little bit more optimistic then I think she is, but he's also very much like, yeah, stay the fuck home, Dana, right now. Mm -hmm. He's like, don't go out in public unless you absolutely have to. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't come down to visit me anytime soon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he is the same, you know, the asymptomatic spread, he think is, he thinks is, is far more, you know, prevalent. Okay. So let me ask you this then. Yeah. If those numbers are, and I keep hearing this as well, where I mean, look, the numbers are backing up to where they think it it was in China in the summer. Yeah. I mean, they have that woman in San Francisco that died February six now, and they said five to four to five weeks. So that means she caught it in early January, and they're backing it up even to December now or November, saying, "Hey, this thing hit." If you look at L.A. and San Francisco and how many 
Chinese flights go from here to China and back are all over Asia. And I've been on dozens of them over, over the years to Taiwan and China and all over, you know, that, that this thing in, you know, Chinese New Year, January, everything that this thing was already spreading and we didn't know and we were just writing it off as the flu. Yeah. You know, and this is my opinion again, but they, I think they're going to keep backing up and find autopsies and stuff from December or November last year. And there's some telltale signs that, I mean, there were people chirping about this and nobody was listening going, Hey guys, something's coming. And they go, well, in the past we've had mirrors and we've had this and we've had that and it's never hit us. So Eh, whatever, you know, but yeah. they think half of the flu season now. So, but what I'm getting to is if she's right, and, and most people are saying this now, and there are that many. So, the, in New York, the real numbers are there's three, four, five million infected in LA and, and just call the nation. So now the percentages get driven down Correct. on the deaths. Correct. And it does end up being a bad, and I hate to use because, oh, don't compare it to the flu, but it does end up being a bad flu season. So, I mean, but again, you get into that, the, the spread of people with, you know, I get all the reasons and stuff, but you know, it's just the numbers. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is the other thing that she said, he didn't, my brother didn't say that she said is that there's still so much that's unknown about this particular yeah. virus and, 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 and how it has like all viruses have the ability to mutate and you never know mm-hmm. what, what could happen with that. But she said that, you know, it's a little, disconcerting how much this virus affects people differently yeah it, it's ed- no blood types and yeah, yeah blood you types. don't know there's no i mean yeah you get into the yeah, yeah the elderly but like i said i know some people that are very healthy uh, you know under the age of 50 that have been on ventilators and you're like what is and they don't know they don't know ethnically they don't know so if you take away the underlying conditions they don't know you know if you could be so that is the the scary part of this, yeah. you know, and they're trying to figure out blood types and all kinds of different stuff. But who knows, you know, and, and one person has zero symptoms. Another person three weeks later is fighting for their life on a ventilator yeah. that was otherwise healthy. And you're like, what? That's kind of scary. So you get the point. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's and, and you know what? As time goes by, they'll get all those answers. Mm-hmm. They'll figure out the, the the whys of every you know strain of this uh, COVID nineteen that's out there. Mm-hmm. So it's you know we're we're only the, I think we're only in the beginning of our uh, of this whole scenario that's been playing out. Now hopefully I hope the numbers are correct and it, you know numbers are starting to suggest that it's time to start to slowly you know maybe open things up a little bit. And I hope that mm-hmm. is the case. And I hope we don't have a second outbreak that's worse. I mean these are all. For me, the big thing for me, Jason, is the is the unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, well, how do people how do people react? Yeah. that's the thing. Because you, you know, you and I can talk about it, but how do people? Would you go back to a movie theater in two weeks? No. If Top Gun comes out, that's my point. Yeah. See, yeah. so if two weeks from now they go, hey, we're good playing here at your favorite theater is Top Gun. Do you are you going? No. You know, and I that's I think most people are going to say that. And Wuhan has already shown that, you know, like with they've been open now for a minute, few weeks. And, you know, they interviewed one of the big I can't remember which one, but they were talking to a restaurateur there. And he's like, look, yeah, I've been fully open. Doesn't mean people are coming (laughs) now. So the damage has been done. And do we get back to professional sports? You know, they've been testing. Now, the good thing is, too, I think Korea has been on the front edge of 
and, and maybe this is the new norm. And I think it should have been this way forever. But how many times have you got on a plane and somebody's sitting behind you coughing all over your yeah. back? You know, and you're like, well, what are you doing? That's so important that you couldn't have stayed home for a couple of weeks. But we're also, oh, I got like, this business meeting or whatever. So but there they have scanners where they can tell your temperature, you know, and if you're sick, they're developing all kinds of stuff like that. So you show up at the airport. But I think the big rub is, is that TSA that runs it? Is it each individual airline? But that way you show up at the airport and you've got a fever and your lungs are full. They're like, go home, (laughs) go the fuck home. And that's probably how it should be. Nothing you're doing is that important, you know, where you're going to infect the masses. And same with public gatherings. You show up at Coachella or an event, and you're sick, you're selfishly sick, and they scan you and you've got a fever, go home. But I got this ticket. Tough shit. Yeah. Go home. You know, and, and we're, we get so – I've flown sick. I'm sure you have, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. And for, for whatever. And, and I'm not saying it's right, but that's – I think we have to take out the human factor there and, and have – you know, same with there were restaurants here in L.A. that started doing that that second week of March. And they were scanning, you know, those uh, where they hit you in the head with the laser. They were scanning people's temperatures. And they're like, no, if you have a fever, you're not coming in here. So that might be smart. You know, I yeah. think that that might be a way to get back to the new norm is, is um, you know, because people are fooling themselves and maybe they don't catch the symptoms. So. Well, Phil Giovanno, I had him on the show a couple of days ago, and he said something Mm -hmm. that was really, really poignant to me. And he said, you know, Dana, the greatest loss of freedom is death. Yeah. And, you know, he said, you know, that's the reality. He said, that's it. He goes, you know, we, uh, he said, I completely understand that people, you know, we've got to get back to, to, you know, the way things were. We have to get there. He's a writer director. He's like you. He does the same thing you do. And he's, he's, he has nothing to do right now. (laughs) You know, he's staying at home. Um, and he said he's prepared to sit this out as long as, as long as, as it has to. So I think most people are, as long as you're, but I mean, what I worry about, and that's, you know, I can survive. You know, and I want to get back to work and back to working, but I, I'm fine, you know, and that's where we're fortunate enough. Like you said, I'm worried about the two million plus people unemployed that aren't going to make their rent or mortgage payment, you know, and it's going to it's not going to get any better. So that's what I'm worried about. I'm OK, you know, and, and I'm, I feel knock on wood, you know, I'm lucky. And I'm fine, but the people that aren't, that's what I'm worried about. And I I understand. And and selfishly, that's a good statement. But yeah, I'm prepared to write it out too. But (laughs) I'm prepared and that, you know, but the rest of the world is not. And, you know, I don't know what the answers are. And, you know, that's the thing. So, yeah, like I've I've told, you know, uh, a few people like I'm, I'm okay for, I was okay for April. I will. Be okay for May, you know, we get into June, July, that's when I'm, that's when I start to feel the pressure myself. Well, see, yeah. and that's what I'm yeah. trying to say. And that's yeah. the, that's what I'm guessing. And you look at the real estate, cause I've been following it really closely out here. It's always been super overpriced, but it's dropping and it's dropping and it's dropping and it's dropping. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, but that's where I think, yeah, most people I think were postured to get through but look if we're still cranking june 1st and even if all the bans are lifted in the next 10 like we've been talking about this whole time it doesn't mean everything's just gonna poof back to normal so uh, you know that kind of lag time and what that's gonna take is what 
you know, and I guess there's just going to be a lot of rebirths and you're going to have to reinvent yourself and, and figure out what the new norms are. And I think that's the same with everything. I mean, I think the meat and potatoes of what show business is going to be in the budgets are going to go way down to get stuff sellable and be safer there too. And just hopefully whatever i mean we've been getting gouged as consumers for years on oil prices <laughs> maybe we need to be a little more fair with each other i mean if you look at the disparity what it costs for you to live in El- ocala and me here in the middle of la i mean man i'll trade places with sure. you tomorrow yeah. on just what a gallon of gas costs and what a gallon of milk costs and you know so you get into in property taxes and everything else and it, it gets staggering to go, wow, man, you know, and if you look at what you're paying here and what you could get, because I've talked to Rich and Rich is like, you want a new big four bedroom go- house on a golf course? Come down here. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. yeah. You well, start. you know, on the opposite side of that, you know, when I took that trip out to LA, yeah, you know, I had it in the back of my mind that, yeah, I mean, if the opportunity presents itself, I'll, sure. I'll move out here. And, sure. and, and, and you should. And yeah. that thought process was in my mind the entire time I was there. Mm-hmm. Now, I think on the third day, I started to realize, like, because I took a picture of the gas station, and it's, it was $4 a gallon, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I, I was, I just went on, on Zillow and I started looking at rent when I was there, and I, my mm-hmm. mind couldn't process how expensive the cost of living can be in Los Angeles. Oh, no, it is. Dana, it, it's not can be. It is like, yeah. you can, if you go to a shoddy neighborhood in South Central, the houses are 550000 yeah. with really high property tax. And I'm talking about living in a gangster neighborhood, on, you know. So, there is no nothing. There is no cheap rent anymore in LA. Yeah. There are, you know, and now if you have two or three roommates or I don't know how, you know, but there is no. And that's the other thing I'm fortunate about being isolated. I thought like some of these actors or people that you may not really like somebody and you're stuck with three roommates. You have been, that's gotta be yeah. terrible. Yeah. You know, at least I've been, you know, fortunate with that too. But you know, I, I think that's the thing. Yeah. LA is extremely difficult. And I think that's why there's so many vacancies and like people are just jumping ship right now because the margin is that thin to make it here. You know, it really is. And you know, it's, um, well, when we were, I mean, I was gonna say when we were having that, that conversation at the polo lounge, when the, uh, the one gentleman suggested that syndication was a viable mm-hmm. option, you should mm-hmm. have seen the weight of the world just lifting off my shoulders right then and there. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, syndication? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is great. This is great. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. can I can still do stuff in Ocala and it can go yeah. out there. Oh, I mean, because I was I was so stressed out about the uh, just just Jason, just the thoughts of how expensive mm-hmm. it is out there was stressing me out. And I live in Ocala, Florida. It's very reasonably oh, sure. priced here. Well, but that's the thing. And you know, once you get into the rhythms. And I'm going to stay here as long as I can. I mean, I love the food and the climate and yeah. the people and everything. But I've got designs to leave too and just fly in for the games, if you will. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. most things aren't even produced. I mean, you have your TV shows, but very few movies anymore because of the tax havens and are shot here actually in California. But you have to be here for the meetings and that type of stuff. But you could get going down there and, and come here. I mean, just if even if you had six plane tickets a year yep. or you came here every month or something, it would still be cheaper than living yep. here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people do that. And a lot of people do that because the income 
in Florida, you know, the state tax and everything, you know, a lot of professional athletes and other people keep residences in Florida and Nevada and oh, other yeah. places because you get slaughtered here, man. I, I, I mean, Derek Jeter's got a Derek Jeter's got a beautiful house in Tampa, and he had it when yeah. he was playing for the Yankees. You know, it's yeah, a yeah. So that's house. and a lot of golfers and a yeah. lot of you know even even people in in uh, the movie and TV business. So, but it's yeah, I mean. It's tough here, but it's, I mean, I see it dropping, but again, how long does that last too? I mean, the bank's not going to want to own all these properties that they're going to have, I think by October, November. So they're going to be start making deals and, you know, it's it may not be a bad time, but it's still, the, it's expensive to live in Cali, man. Now, having said everything I just said about the anxiety and just the stressful mm-hmm. thoughts about putting all of that aside. I had an amazing time in Los Angeles and I yeah. absolutely love that city. So don't get me wrong. Like any, anyone else is listening in LA right now, like I, it was as advertised for my first mm-hmm. time out there. Like I was, I was there for four full days and the sort of the itinerary that Rich had set up for me, it was, <laughs> there was something going on all aspects of the day. And I, he's had, good for that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> I, and I, I think I've reached out to him six times since then, which is the, yeah. can I just say thank you again for showing me yeah. the most amazing time of my life? Um, he's such a good guy. Yeah. Man. I love that guy. Yeah. yeah he's and, great. And, um, so having said all that, like I had a great time and I love that city. And if I could, comfortably afford to live there i would move there tomorrow like i yeah. love that's how much i love it yeah well you i mean come out here man you can i'm sure you can stay with rich you can stay with me <laughs> if we got to come out you can always make it work like, yeah that's the thing and I, there's enough people to get things going you know and and uh you just you learn like i have like friends in the restaurant i'm sure you don't pay full boat for food when no. <laughs> you get you know you find ways to hustle man if you you know as you go along you trade favors and there's an underground barter system for yeah. stuff and, yeah and then you know you find a way to do it that's been the more, one of the more unusual things for me over the past six weeks is how many like i work at the restaurant five six days a week so yeah. i was eating there two times a yeah. day and now all of a sudden I'm, I'm cooking at home mm-hmm. and I'm just, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not used to all of this. I've become mm-hmm. quite the established uh, cook. I have a few, what I, I like it. to say, <laughs> hell's kitchens moments with myself in there <laughs> where I'm yelling at myself. How did yeah, you, yeah. how did you burn this? What the fuck's wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> no, no, I bur- I've blown through some eggs. I was trying to sure. separate the yolk <laughs> and the whites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. But you try, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so before we wrap things up, I, uh, yeah. I watched a movie last night that was released on <laughs> Netflix, the new Chris Helmsworth film called yeah, Extraction. Okay. Oh, okay. My son and I, is it, how is it? How is it? Well, I was hoping to get your expert opinion Darn. on it. So I, 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 I listen. I should have watched it last night. We were watching the uh, the Last Dance, the okay. Michael Jordan. I love yeah. that. Have you watched that? No, movie? not yet. I'm just going to burn through that. the whole it's, thing. Yeah, it's legit. That's yeah, what I've it's heard. Really good. Yeah. Uh, my my spoiler free review of Extraction is I'm still. It's a visually stunning film mm-hmm. and the, it is done. It is directed. Forgive me for not knowing his name, but the director was a stunt coordinator. So think mm-hmm. very similar to the whole John Wick scenario with what happens sure. when you put a, uh, a stunt man behind the camera. There oh, is, sure. there is a 12 minute long single take. Well, 
it's set up as a single take. It's I guarantee it was not done in a single take, but it's presented as a 12 minute long single take action sequence that that encompasses several city blocks. And it is worth the price of admission alone. Yeah, like, Sam Hargrave. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. yeah, he's legit. No, that's that's I can't wait to watch it. That's man. All right. That's a good one. I'm <laughs> well, uh, I just want to warn people brutally violent. In some scenes, brutally violent. Uh, but John Wick was brutally violent. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's such a good – I mean, that's so good. And I'm excited to uh, – we were going to watch it, but we got caught up in Rick and Morty reruns. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just started yeah. watching that show last week for the first how, time. How good is – no, that is the best writing, I swear. It's There's the going to be a new one. There's going to be a new one next Sunday. That is show is beyond genius and – if people haven't seen Rick and Morty, I'm telling you the the writing on that show and their process is the best in the business. That was, and yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that was the thing that I couldn't wrap my head around, like how sharp the dialogue was, how sharp the, the writing was in this show. Like, in, yeah, and I I I'm only into the first season. I can only imagine it just gets better with the with evolution each of yeah. that show has been magnificent and the the success. I you know, and there I think. They're they're keeping up with it, and like this season has been done in splits, and they're starting up again. And I'm I'm waiting, you know? but yeah, it is. And I watch those. There's some iconic episodes already, like Pickle Rick. Have you seen Pickle Rick yet? I don't think I have seen Pickle. Oh, Rick. Oh, you no. would remember it. Okay. That is yeah. <laughs> when you get into what that is. It's so genius. You got to watch Pickle Rick. So I'll watch Extraction. And when you get through Pickle Rick on Rick and Morty, we'll talk. We'll, we got to talk All about right. it. All right. We'll do. We'll do. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jason, if people want to watch Running with the Devil, what's the, uh, oh. what, where, what are some of the platforms that it's currently it's available on? Hulu. I mean, yeah, it's on, it's on all the other, the pay stuff, but it, it's on Hulu right now. It's done, it's done really well on Hulu. So, um, I think it's going to be on there. It's been on there since December and, um, it's, I, I don't know when they're going to take it off and pull it, but it's, it should be there for a little while longer. And I think we're going to start doing the rounds. I'll have to talk to the distributor on the others, but, um, uh, yeah, all the pay stuff, you know, I think you can rent it for like two ninety nine, but it's on Hulu. It's done, it's done good, man. Awesome. Yeah. The movie's done well, still on Redbox, still on, you know, all that stuff. So, oh yeah. And I can yeah. imagine like the streaming services, I've got to imagine the Redbox numbers have gone up quite a bit. As oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 That this, the movie's done, look, the movie's done really well. I, I had a talk with them recently and for what it is. And it was, you know, it was in a hundred theaters for a week and that wasn't the point of it. But for what it is, the movie's done well. It was in, you know, we, it's been in the top, 10 on several you know different services which is good and Perfect. it's it's hanging tough man <laughs> and i invite listeners that have not uh, once you watch running with the devil please go back uh, jason and i had several episodes where we've talked about the the production of that film and and uh it's one that i've watched a few times since our last conversation i i love the movie and uh i'm so happy that uh you know i've got an opportunity to not only talk to you, but I got an opportunity to meet you in person. And oh, heck yeah, man. It, that was a great trip. It, we'll do it again yeah, soon, man. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, Jason, thank you. I'm glad that you're you're staying safe. I'm glad your family's safe. I look forward to talking to you again, and I hope that it will be under uh, different circumstances than what we're in right now. But uh, bottom line is I'm, I'm glad you're doing okay. Same, same, man. And if you need anything, just let me know, and I'll do the best I can to help you. And 
and fix it. And then we got to plan our next uh, meeting at the polo lounge. Yeah. We should just set a date and do it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the best. That later. was the best. Yeah. You texted me and you said, yeah. we're, we're meeting at the, the polo lounge of the Beverly Hills Hotel. And I was just yeah. like, ah. And you're like. I did that on purpose. I loved it. Part of your, <laughs> I loved it. Because there's other, you know, uh, other places to meet. But that is just one that you have to go to. Oh, if you haven't was it, it was and incredible. The deals that have been made there with like Robert Evans and old Hollywood. Yeah. And, you know, this, you have to go there, man. It yeah. was surreal. It was surreal. Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll never forget that. And, you know, when, when I told Rich, I said, uh, it's at the Polo Lounge. He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Love <laughs> yeah, that. All right. Listen, yeah. Jason, stay safe. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, you too, brother. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Dana. Absolutely. And my name is Dana Buckler. And thank you so much for listening.